abandon conventional detective work in favor of mind reading? My eyes are the only tools I require to delve into the thoughts of another. I see, I observe. In this instance, I observe your ill-concealed disappointment at the possibility that I might already be engaged upon an investigation. How unlike the Watson of yesteryear. Secondly, I observe the letter that has been thrust hastily into your pocket. I observe further that it is in a man's hand. I do not believe that I am hazarding too much to say that the letter is from an acquaintance, asking that you enlist my aid in unravelling some mystery. You still have the envelope, I trust? Ah, excellent. It seems quite simple to me when you explain it. Every problem seems quite simple once it has been explained. He studied the letter in silence for a few moments. Hmm, the handwriting is interesting. Your correspondent is in poor health. Yes, yeah, so it would appear. And yet I remember Angus Molesworth as a hale and hearty fellow in his youth. Tempus edux rerum, Watson. The writer is clearly unwell, and yet he insists upon writing his own letters. Does that indicate strength of character, or distrust of those around him? And yet there is one in the house whom he trusts more than the rest. How can you be certain of that? The envelope, Watson. It is in a different hand. Evidently, the writer put his faith in another individual to address and perhaps even post his creed occur. I was glad that the letter had clearly piqued Holmes' insatiable curiosity, for I was anxious to be off. So great was my haste, in fact, that I quite forgot to call in at the house of a patient and provide him with an eyedropper to ease his chronic allergic conjunctivitis. Holmes's trusty Bradshaw advised us that the next train to Winchester was at half-past ten, allowing barely sufficient time in which to telegraph news of our intention to Molesworth before heading for the station. It was some two hours later that we found ourselves in a carriage driving out from the centre of the old English capital. Aberfeldy proved to be a large detached house, standing in extensive grounds. The maid answered the door to us, and we were led into a spacious study, where we were greeted by a round-faced young man with straw-coloured hair, who introduced himself as Molesworth's secretary, Matthew Cranmer. Evidently, Molesworth's private practice was more fruitful than I had imagined. I was somewhat surprised not to be met by his employer, however. For the past month, Dr. Molesworth has been confined to bed. Well, what, what ails him? The secretary frowned. Dr. Sinot is expected shortly. I really think it would be best if you waited for his arrival. I'm sure he'd be happy to answer any questions regarding Dr. Molesworth's condition. Is Molesworth's doctorate of a non-medical condition, then? The doctor is in no fit state to diagnose himself. I doubt whether he's even well enough to speak to you, Mr. Holmes. But he's been awaiting your arrival ever since he wrote Dr. Watson. If you'll follow me, gentlemen, Dr. Molesworth is in his room. I wondered about Cranmer's apparent desire to be as unhelpful as possible. Did he indeed wish to be obstructive? Or was he merely protecting his employer? He certainly had no difficulty in meeting my gaze, but that in itself was hardly conclusive proof of virtue. The bed was in the centre of the room, and in it, propped up with pillows, was the owner of Aberfeldy. When one believes oneself untouched by the passage of the years, it is always a shock to discover how much an old friend has aged. The gaunt, wasted face, staring at me from the bed, sent a chill to my heart, for when I'd seen it last, it had been full, healthy, and pink. Angus Molesworth lay listless as we entered the room, but the sight of me brought a gleam of recognition to his eyes. Watson, my dear chap, please allow me to keep what remains of my dignity, and refrain from telling me how well I appear. I am perfectly well aware that I look abominable. 
The years have taken their toll on us all, Mouseworth. I am now, as you see, substantially larger about the middle. Only last month I bumped into Kesper Holland. He's now quite bald. Bald? Good gracious me. For Molesworth's own sake, I had no wish to prolong such idle banter. Angus, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes. I used his Christian name for the first time. Of course. He stretched out a bony hand in greeting. Who else could it be? I hope, Mr. Holmes, that Watson does not exaggerate your gifts in his stories. He always was such a one for tall tales. The good doctor has an appalling habit of romanticizing my little exercises in logic. But the essential facts are invariably accurate. Molesworth gave a weak smile. Won't you please both be seated? He turned his head to face Cranmer, the secretary. Matthew, perhaps you would care to go downstairs and keep a lookout for Dr. Synot. The young man said that he would prefer to remain. But Millsworth made it plain that he wished to speak to us privately. He's a good boy.